0: On Sunday mornings we are looking at gospel jewels in Jeremiah so we're not going through the whole prophecy of Jeremiah you'll be glad to hear but we're picking out uh, some precious verses that give us a glimpse of the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ and Uh, Just as diamonds, uh, some of the most beautiful and expensive jewels in the world, are formed under intense heat and pressure. So uh, this book, which is one of the uh, most heart-rending books in the Bible, uh, the prophet is the weeping prophet. It is through uh, that trial of fire that you find these beautiful gospel jewels but it is with fear and trepidation that I stand before you this morning because in Jeremiah 7 and Jeremiah 26 and I don't think we can avoid looking at this you have what has been called one of the greatest sermons ever preached Jeremiah's sermon ...in the temple at Jerusalem. So we're not going to read the whole of it. It's just too much. But at a critical time in the history of the nation of Israel... uh, ...if I can just read the start of chapter 7... ...the word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Remember, Jeremiah was very reluctant to bring God's word... ...but the word of God... Came upon him, it was like fire in his belly, stand in the gate of the Lord's house, that's the temple, and proclaim there this word. And uh, he's got this sermon, which is a tremendous sermon. And he preached it at a time when the children of Israel were facing Uncertainty, Uh, there was much evil around, the king that ruled over them was wicked, and the armies of the enemy were coming to invade them. And so we can imagine young Jeremiah with fear and trepidation mounting the steps of the temple and preaching this message. And The Lord has led me to this portion of Jeremiah this morning. And you may wonder if you look at the sermon, where is the gospel in it? But I do promise you we will get to it. And sometimes it's we who call ourselves God's people who need to hear the gospel as well as those who are not Christians. I know we've got a mission coming up and we're looking forward to that. But we need the gospel as well. We are in critical times, are we not? Uh, God has allowed this horrible pestilence, COVID, in order to bring us to our senses spiritually. And the Church of Jesus Christ in our country at this moment is at a critical Time. We have found ourselves wanting in terms of the shaking of the nation uh, and here is a message I believe uh, that God uh, has for us. Now then, don't worry, I'm not going to go through the whole sermon, but the gist of the sermon, if you've got a Bible, is found in verse 4. Verse 4. I can read verse 3 as well. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways, change your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. And this is the gist of the message. Do not trust in these lying words, saying the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. So what have we got here? We've got a people who are relying on the temple. So they've got this religious mantra, which they're saying. They're saying, in effect, Jeremiah, why are you a prophet of doom and gloom? Why are you talking about uh, the uh, enemy uh, destroying us? We're all right. We've got this wonderful temple. This was Solomon's temple. It was one of the most magnificent buildings uh, ever built. And they are saying, we're all right. The temple of the Lord. Uh, A better translation is this is the temple. This is the temple. This is the temple. We are going to be fine. Now, I don't know all of you. And even those I do know, I don't know your hearts. We don't know our own hearts, do we? And we, my friends like the people in Jeremiah's day, can trust in our religion. That's a danger. We can trust in our religion. And all I want to do this morning is, by God's help, seek to break that and cause us to trust in Jesus Christ. There are two temple sermons in Jeremiah. It was the same sermon. Uh, The best sermons are worth repeating there's another temple sermon in the new testament which we read jesus christ's temple sermon jeremiah got into trouble for this sermon he was condemned as a result of it jesus christ got into bigger trouble after preaching his temple sermon Jesus Christ quotes from Jeremiah's temple sermon about uh, the house of God being a den of robbers. You'll have that here. So this sermon by Jeremiah in the temple is just pointing us to a greater than Jeremiah and the temple sermon he preached. Now that's where our trust is going to be. But let me show you first why you can't trust in religion. Even evangelical religion, you can't trust in it. Why not? Well, let me give you a few reasons from Jeremiah's sermon here. If we're trusting in our religion, it's a superficial hope that we have. A superficial hope. A hope that's not deep and lasting. Uh, Look if you've got a Bible at verse 5. There's a word that's repeated several times. If you, what's the word? Thoroughly amend your ways and your doings. If you thoroughly execute judgments between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, or walk after other gods to your hurt. That's a long sentence. If you thoroughly, not superficially, not on the surface, But if you properly do it, now what you have here is a summary of the Ten Commandments. And what Jeremiah is saying is this, you people who are coming to the temple and worshipping God, and there's nothing wrong with that, it's a good thing to do, you cannot put your trust in that, because in a sense it's not our religious activity that God is interested in. Uh, This is what uh, Samuel said to King Saul uh, many centuries before. Hath the Lord as greater delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. Jeremiah is saying, thus says the Lord, verse 3, amend your ways and your doings don't trust in your attendance of the temple worship don't trust in your coming to church don't trust in your bible readings don't trust in your praying don't trust as we'll be doing tonight in your taking of communion don't trust in your evangelism but it's obedience that god is looking for And it's not just superficial outward obedience. It's not turning over a new leaf. I know we do that at the start of a new year. But some of us do it at the start of a working year. I've got new shoes this morning. New shoes. But they don't change my feet. I wish I had new feet sometimes. And another prophet said... Rend, change your heart, not your shoes, <laughs> not your clothes. Change your heart, not a superficial outward change, but an inner change of hearts. That's what God is looking at, the heart. What's our heart like as we come this morning? there's no point having all the religious activities in the world. There's no point in me preaching the most wonderful sermon ever. Not that that's going to (laughs) happen. It's the heart. It's the heart. It's like me, as I said to the children, thinking that painting and doing all the right things, painting over that wood was going to do the trick. It wasn't that rotten wood needed to come out and unfortunately it wasn't real wood but a wood filler which is made from wood resin I've still got some of it on my fingers do you know what God says God says you can't change your hearts the heart is deceitful above all things later on in Jeremiah desperately wicked but this is, this is the good news. We're coming to the gospel now. <laughs> Although I've got some other hard things to say. Uh, this is how we started our service. This shall be the covenant that I, this is God speaking, I will make with the house of Israel. This is the promise for you and me. This is God's new start. I will put my law in their hearts. And... W- With their hearts, they shall know me. Isn't that wonderful? Not a superficial hope. Not a superficial change. But a new heart. Have you got a new heart this morning, spiritually? Has God taken away the heart of stone? The rotten hearts, And has he given you? Not filler. (laughs) Christianity isn't filler. It's a new, living, beating heart. Aren't you glad this morning that it's a living saviour that we have in Jesus Christ? So that's my first point. We can't trust in our religion because it's just superficial. It's just superficial. Give me heart, religion. Now then, another reason, I've got to hurry through these because we started late. It's a false hope if we're trusting in religion. Look at the words again. Do not trust, verse 4, these lying words, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. When Jesus preached his temple sermon, what was he getting at in terms of the people who were trusting in their religiosity? not only was it superficial, but the religious leaders of Jesus' day were hypocrites, weren't they? They were on the outside, one thing, but on the inside, they were quite another. They were false, false. And isn't it like that with us when we become religious? A little later on, Jesus said, quoting from this sermon, he threw the money changers out of the temple and he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of robbers. A false hope. Ha, have you realised what you're like in your hearts? When it happens to a religious person, it can be, it, it, it can be very powerful. Uh, one of the most famous examples is the Wesley brothers uh, in Oxford in the 18th century. They were students in Oxford. <laughs> I think we've got one of our young people going to Oxford uh, to study Well, the Wesley brothers, uh, many, many moons ago, were students in Oxford, and they put their trust in their religion, like the people in Jeremiah's day. They were saying, religion, 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 and John and Charles Wesley, the two brothers, they went right to the extreme, didn't they? Uh, They met more often than they needed to. They prayed. They fasted. uh, They took communion, not just once a month, but every week. They did all sorts of things. And then God, the Holy Spirit, opened their eyes and made them realize they were false. They were false. And Wesley wrote these words. So here's a religious man who's had his eyes open. He says, false and full of sin I am. False. That wood, it wasn't just bad, it was rotten to the core. And this is the problem, you see. Even, it's not just our sin, the wrong things that we do, which need to be forgiven, which is unclean in God's eyes. Even our religious deeds are polluted even our righteousnesses are filthy soiled garments there is no good in us whatsoever it doesn't mean that we're all as bad as we can be thank god it doesn't mean that but it does mean this we're all tainted we're all tainted by this horrible thing called sin you know when when i was not a christian and i was religious I thought that the good I did, the religious things I did, my chapel going, my praying, my Bible reading, that that would hopefully outweigh all the bad that I did. But the problem is this (laughs) even the good that we're doing is bad. It's bad. It's a false hope. Let me read what one person said. I I just want you to see this. You see, we don't say the temple, do we? Because we don't have a temple. (laughs) But we can have our mantra. We we can have the same uh, false hope. This is how one person put it. Jeremiah's message is a strong warning to all of us. Some put their trust in church attendance and say, I go to church, I go to church, I go to church, even a good, sound evangelical church. If you've got your names on the church's register, that doesn't necessarily mean that your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. And then this person goes on to say, Others put their trust in their experience and say, I've been born again, I've been born again, I've been born again, I heard once of a person, a next door neighbour to a minister, and this next door neighbour would often come home drunk, and he realised that the man living next to him was a minister of the gospel, and they talked one day, and this man who struggled with drunkenness said, it's all right, you know, it's all right, and he pulled out of his pockets a card that he'd signed, many years ago saying that he'd accepted jesus christ as savior can you see what he was doing he was putting his trust in his conversion experience but we can't do that and then others put their trust in their baptism i've been baptized i've been baptized i've been baptized some put their trust in their quiet times Do you think if you didn't have your quiet time this morning, if you didn't read your Bible and pray, that somehow you're not right with God? I have had my quiet time. I've had my quiet time. I've had my quiet time. Others can put their trust. This is what this person says in theology. I believe in the doctrines of grace. I believe in the doctrines of grace. I believe in the doctrines of grace. Did you notice one thing about all those things that I've mentioned? None of them are bad things in and of themselves. They're all good things. But the problem is this, we can't put our trust in them because we're tainted by sin. And when we trust those good things, they become tainted as well. Can you say with another person that had his eyes opened, this is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to forgive the term. I'm trying to smash our hopes. So that we can say, not the labours of my hands, whether they're religious works or good works, can fulfil thy law's demands. Could my zeal, no respite, no. Could my tears, I wish I could feel more, but I can't. And it doesn't matter. Could my tears forever flow? Oh, for sin cannot atone. There's only one hope. Do you know what it is? Thou, you, you jesus must save and you alone it's a superficial hope religion if we trust it it's a false hope it's also a dangerous it's a dangerous hope Uh, i wish i could read the whole sermon but i can't i haven't got time the message of this sermon is one of judgments Uh, if you look at verse 12 Go now to my place which was in Shiloh where I set my name at first and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. Shiloh north of Jerusalem is where the tabernacle which was before the temple was. And that's where people went to meet with God in Shiloh. Now if the people in Jeremiah's day were to take a trip to Shiloh, do you know what they'd find? They would find ruins, rubble. And Jeremiah is basically saying to these people who are now trusting this much, much more magnificent structure, the temple filled with gold and all sorts of expensive material. He says what happened to Shiloh is going to happen to this temple and sooner rather than later. And the people don't believe it. Actually, the people hate his guts for saying that. That's why they want to kill him afterwards. But you know what? It happened. It happened. The Babylonians came and they destroyed the Temple of Solomon. When Jesus preached his temple sermon, again, God's judgments, he said, this temple, Herod's temple now, not quite as magnificent as Solomon's, but still awesome, this temple will be destroyed. And they didn't believe him. Even the disciples didn't believe him. They said, look at these wonderful buildings. But Jesus said, this is going to be destroyed and it was it was AD 70 the Roman army besieged Jerusalem and they destroyed the temple and all that's left of it today is just a bit of the foundation that's the wailing wall that's all that you've got the chapel where I used to attend unfortunately I can't remember hearing the gospel in that chapel right right It was a presbyterian church like we were i did not hear the good news of jesus christ neither did i hear about god's judgments i was putting my trust in my chapel attendance i would have if you would have met me when i was younger i would have said to you as i said to one member of the christian union in aberystwyth are you trying to convert me i'm all right i go to chapel i go to chapel I go to chapel. Do you know where that chapel is now? Kar Salem, Sandidno Junction? Do you know where that is? If you go to find Kar Salem, Sandidno Junction, you won't find a chapel. You'll find houses. They knocked it down. It's a housing estate. There is a way which seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. Death. We thought that going with the times, not believing what the Bible says about God and his judgment and about Jesus Christ, that if we just go with the times, it will be all right. There's no chapel now. And this is the worst part about Jeremiah's sermon. If you're trusting in your religion, it's not going to be all right in the end. You know, I've said this before. I spoke to a religious person once and asked, did she know if she was going to heaven? And all she could say to me was, touch wood, touch wood. I hope. It's not going to be all right. Man is appointed to die. And after that, because of our sin, the judgment. Now, I've got to come to the gospel in this sermon, right? And you're wondering, if you know your Jeremiah, <laughs> I don't know who here has read the whole of Jeremiah. It's quite a task. Where is the gospel in this chapter it's not mentioned do you know what happens as you read through this sermon usually in a sermon it starts with the bad news and it moves towards the good news the climax but in this sermon it starts pretty bad it's quite depressing and it gets worse it gets worse uh, if I read towards the end of the sermon, verse 32, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when it will be no more called Tophet, or the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. And do you know why he says that? He says that because what he says in verse 31... You have built the high places of Tophet, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom. We'll come to that in a minute. To burn your sons and your daughters in the fire, which I did not command. That's how bad even religious people can become. They sacrificed their own children to serve other gods. They did it in the valley of Hinnom, uh, which is uh, east of the temple in Jerusalem. There's no gospel, there's no good news here. It's all about God's judgments, even if we're trusting our religiosity. So, where's the gospel? My friends, sometimes the good news is there when it's not stated in an obvious way. Can you see the good news here? I want to draw your attention to it. The temple, the temple. What is the temple? Why aren't we supposed to put our trust in the temple as a building? Well, I read to you uh, from Jesus' temple sermon, and he said something very important in that. He said, destroy this temple, and in three days, I will rebuild it. Now, the people didn't get it. They thought that Jesus was referring to the physical building. But actually, Jesus was referring to something very different. He was referring to himself himself to his body that's what the temple is what's the temple the temple is the same as the tabernacle the tent what was the tabernacle the tabernacle wasn't much to look at but it was the dwelling place of God now we've been looking at Solomon's prayer in the week of prayer and Solomon uh, in that prayer he says oh God you are infinite nothing can contain you And yet, this is the good news for you and for me. This is the hope that God wants us to grasp, that something did contain the infinite, glorious person of the Godhead. And that was the temple in the Old Testament, but that was just a shadow of the temple who is Jesus Christ. My friends, Jesus Christ is in this sermon, even though it's not obvious. Because in Jesus Christ, the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. We are rotten, false, and full of sin. I am, said Wesley, but it doesn't stop there. Otherwise, there'd be no hope for us. But Jesus Christ is full of truth and grace. Praise God for Jesus Christ this morning. That God became a man 2,000 years ago. That there's a greater than Jeremiah and that Jesus Christ is the spotless son of God, a perfect man. There was no rottenness in the heart of Jesus Christ. He was without blemish and he did that for you and for me. So that's one good news. And then there's another good news here. Do you know what it is? Jeremiah himself is the sermon. He's not just preaching a message, he is the living embodiment of the message. Now then, let me come to a conclusion. What do I mean by that? I mean this. The gospel is seen at its brightest when things are at their blackest and worst. So this sermon goes from bad to worse. The worst, the darkest you're getting to is the children of God, the professing children of God, sacrificing their own children in the valley of Hinnom. Jeremiah's sermon, he's the embodiment of the message, starts in the temple. Where does it lead to? It leads to Hinnom. And God says... I will condemn in Hinnom. Uh, Hinnom became Gehenna, uh, the dump of Jerusalem. Uh, I was privileged uh, to be able to explore the city of Jerusalem. And me being me, wanted to go to the kind of uh, untouristy uh, touristy places. So I found a shortcut down into the valley of Hinnom. It required negotiating a scree slope... But it wasn't wasn't nice at all, right? There was a dead dog there, a carcass. And that brought to mind, in Jeremiah's day, that valley was the rubbish dump, uh, the vilest part of Jerusalem, the place where they sacrificed children. That was the, uh, the worst of places, where the refuse was. Jeremiah's sermon started in the temple and it led to Gehenna. And when Jesus spoke of hell uh, as the place of fire and the place where their worm dies not, he was using Gehenna as a picture. So Jeremiah's sermon starts in the temple and it ends in hell. And Jeremiah, after preaching this sermon, is condemned. What about the greater than Jeremiah, Jesus Christ, the perfect son of God, he preached a temple sermon and he was condemned. Where did the temple sermon that Jesus preached lead to? It led to Gehenna. What was Gehenna? It was the cross. If you want proof of hell, it's the cross that's uh, the greatest proof. You know, God's forgiveness didn't come to us cheaply. The greater than Jeremiah, Jesus Christ, if he was to offer us forgiveness, if he was to deal with our sins, God's judgment had to be dealt with. And this is the good news. Jesus Christ, from the temple, from his temple sermon, was condemned by the religious leaders. They thought they were doing away with him, but actually they were fulfilling God's plan because he was led not to a human condemnation, but to the condemnation of which is part of God's wonderful plan of salvation, where Jesus Christ goes to Gehenna, takes your sin and mine, goes to our hell, so that a holy God can forgive you and me. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? The dog, or the dogs of Bashan, bared their teeth at Jesus Christ, as he hung on the cross. Jesus Christ was treated as a dog to the Jews. A dog was the most unclean creature because the spotless son of God took our uncleanness upon himself so that we, instead of going to condemnation, could go to heaven. Now, I know this isn't obvious in the sermon, but it is there. Praise God. And this is where I'm coming to. Where is your hope? Where is mine? Not in religion, even in things that are good in and of themselves. In Christ alone, my hope is found. Is your hope in Jesus Christ? You know what? Jesus isn't a mantra. Jesus isn't a mantra. I know sometimes, even as evangelicals, we can become guilty of using evangelical mantra. We can talk about accepting Jesus into your hearts. We can talk uh, about all sorts of formulas. That's not what gives us the hope. Our hope is not in a mantra. It's in a real, living person who actually did something. He did something to our sin and he changed the wrath of God, taking it away from us. And upon himself and it doesn't mean that we just take jesus christ as if it didn't matter it means that we turn to him amend your ways turn not superficially but from your hearts Have you cried to Jesus Christ this morning? It's not just Jeremiah who's the weeping prophet. Have we in our hearts cried out, "Oh Lord Jesus, have mercy upon me. Save me. And if you are a Christian, and if our tendency maybe has been to not look at Jesus Christ as much as we should, but begin to look at religion, Oh, may we turn fully to Jesus Christ. I loved the hymn that Tony announced as our third hymn. My faith has found a resting place, not in a mantra, not in a form, not even in a creed, even though a creed is vitally important. The creed, the wonderful truths about Jesus Christ, that is simply the skeleton. My faith has found a resting place in a real person. My friend, I've got to finish here, but I just want to say Jesus is real. Jesus is real. There are people here this morning who've been really unwell this past year and their witness is they have a living saviour who has given them not a touch wood hope, but a sure and a certain hope, a hope that in this life, will enable us to face whatever the difficulties that come across our path. But a hope that when we one day, and we'll all have to one day stand, we'll have to stand at Death's Valley. You know, I I read over the summer the obituary of somebody. Uh, He was only 67 years old. Uh, He was walking in the mountains in North Wales and he collapsed and died. He he was my maths teacher, extremely fit, but he collapsed and died. I never would have imagined that he would have died that young. We don't know, we don't know when our time will come. So now, my friends, today, make sure that your hope is not in the temple, the temple, the temple. Evangelical, evangelical, evangelical. Baptism, baptism, baptism. Whatever your mantra is, may your hope be Jesus Christ. You don't have to say it more than once, do you? (laughs) He's enough, Jesus Christ.